Welcome, Play On Podcast listeners, to this series of episodes dedicated to the 2015 summer and fall seasons here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival in Cedar City. We're pleased to bring you an inside look at the festival's 2015 season. If you have not listened yet to the past couple of episodes, including David Ivers, Brian Vaughn, and Becky Merrill, please make sure to go back and catch those. Today, we have the irreplaceable founder of the Utah Shakespeare Festival and the director of this year's production of The Taming of the Shrew, Fred C. Adams. Fred is moving into his 54th year at the festival as founder, producing director, and executive producer, as well as director of the festival's capital campaign. Fred has a long history with The Taming of the Shrew. He directed it in the first season of the Utah Shakespeare Festival in 1962. He also directed it in the first year of the Adams Memorial Theater in 1977. And he's directing it this year, in 2015, in the final year of the Adams Memorial Theater. Thank you so much for joining us, Fred. My pleasure. It is an honor to, to share this uh, little table in the Utah Shakespeare Festival Education Office oh, with you. Wow, honor. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Um, so the Utah Shakespeare Festival opened uh, with a production of Taming of the Shrew. That is correct. The yeah. Adams uh, Memorial Shakespearean Theater opened with a production of Taming of the Shrew. And here in 2015, the festival's final year in the Adams Theater, we're doing a production of Taming of the Shrew. <laughs> to close the theater. To close the theater it's, out. It's, it's like bookends. But, it is uh, like bookends. Um, yeah. And and it's the I think it's in, in many ways it's it's the right play. It's 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 rather an iconic piece for us because when I first tried doing a Shakespeare play uh, in in, uh-huh. in Cedar City, yeah. um, the, the response was just overwhelming. Yeah. And um, and it, and it was the shrew. Yeah. Uh, it was the shrew. And and people, even today, people re- come back to and say, oh, we remember that first shrew. Well, we remember this character or that character. And so it's become, uh, in, in some sense, a hallmark yeah. of us. I don't say it's the it's the greatest of Shakespeare's plays, but but I think for our audiences, it's become kind of uh, an association with the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Absolutely. You now have, uh, I mean, 55 plus years experience with this play, intimate <laughs> yeah. experience with this yeah. play. What, what, what has stayed the same for you? What's changed? The words are the same. Yeah. But the thoughts behind the words have made a huge evolutionary change over, over these uh-huh. five decades. And actually, more than that, the first Taming of the Shrew I directed was back then. Further back than that, okay. I directed, uh, I directed Taming of the Shrew in Finnish. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Uh, in Helsinki. And uh, that was back in the early 50s. And there, of course, the language barrier made it uh, more manipulation of men and women and characters and bodies yeah, yeah. to one another. But once, once uh, we began working with words, Shakespeare's words are so important. And ironically, uh, approaching it this time, I, I was asked, do you want to edit the the script at all, uh-huh. and of course, yes, I, I wanted to remove certain elements from it. I didn't want this, the Christopher Sly mm-hmm. induction sequence. Okay. It gets in the way. To me, it bothers it, and it makes uh, the characters of the play uh, phony. Okay, yeah. It makes them, they have to be actors uh, performing for this drunken old fool. It pulls you away from the, the main relationships. And it pulls you out of the yeah. relationships that, that I really find 
so unique in Taming of the Shrew. Mm -hmm. Taming of the Shrew, unlike most of Shakespeare's plays, has a an, an articulated beginning and an arc mm -hmm. that takes each and every character, each and every character, yep. is brought along on a journey to a conclusion. Yeah. That doesn't happen in Othello. That doesn't happen in Lear. That doesn't happen in, uh, perhaps to a degree it happens in his histories, mm -hmm. simply because he's locked into events, a, a historical sequence of events. Exactly. There's kind of a formula there. Y yes. Yeah. Uh, there's a formula there. Mm -hmm. But but you can take any other plays, even Midsummer Night's Dream, a play I adore, Yeah. and uh, what on earth happens to so-and-so? And what happens to so-and-so? Yep. You know what I mean? Uh, never answered. But in Taming of the Shrew, Shakespeare literally has said, this is a complete beginning to end arc of the characters. Mm -hmm. And in order to make that arc honest, and to make that arc, yeah, honest, I think is the best word, mm -hmm. uh, we have to know a whole lot about what they were before the play started. Yeah. We have yeah. to know where they're coming from. Absolutely. Because every main character goes on their journey their journey. their journey is complete and when those journeys intertwine at the end and, and all we have to say oh the reason that happens is because yeah this happened long before the play began uh -huh. and and by doing that and bringing the kind of actors that the utah shakespeare festival does yeah uh, you can you can really do that you can really um flesh out historically fill in all of the beginnings the beginnings of those the context characters. yeah uh -huh. um you mentioned that some of the baggage is the way we talk about Taming of the Shrew over the years. It has changed a little bit. Oh, hugely but, changed. But the, the popularity yeah. of the play, no matter what the dialogue yeah. about the play is, has remained constant. Yeah. People uh, love yeah. seeing this play. They love the play. And mm -hmm. they love, they, and you say, well, now, is it because she gets put in her place? Is it because he's stronger than she is? And all of those questions have to be answered by the director and the actors working together. Mm -hmm. and, and my production is not going to be like that. I directed it once as a wonderful knockdown drag out brawl. Uh -huh. <laughs> and the audiences just absolutely loved just it. Ate it oh, up. Yeah. they loved that. <laughs> Kate got enough licks in that all the women in the audience were going right on their girl. Yeah. And of course, remember at the end, Shakespeare has, gives, gives the finale, literally, absolutely. gives the denouement of the play to Catherine. Yes. But I'm not doing that. Uh, How are you I'm, approaching it this time I, I'm around? I'm doing a love story. Okay. I'm doing a love story. So uh, then how do you approach some of these scenes that are often oh, interpreted oh, as, as no, battles? The, the, the comedy will be there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll have the comedy. The clowns are all going to be there. The whole Bianca plot, yeah. I'm going to slapstick that to death. <laughs> Excellent. But the Kate and Petruchio, i am uh, come to a realization. I, I've lost my my lifetime partner, and, uh, and so it's become a little kind of a tender realization for me that yeah. there's more there's more to, to Petruchio and more to Catherine than I'll I'll beat her into submission yeah or or she says I'll trick him into doing what I want uh -huh. I think there's is a better marriage than that it's a deeper love than that that's very cool and uh, and and it's in the script the mm -hmm. script has that love in it the script has that admiration but it does it subtly enough that the actor mm -hmm. playing the role has got to come to grips with it. Yeah. They have to search and dig it out. That's a hard job for an actor because the yeah. verbal sparring yeah. and the witticisms between Kate and Petruchio oh, yeah. can 
steal the show can steal the right? show. So, so how do you yeah. infuse that with, with this element, like you said, of, of tenderness or vulnerability? Well, I think, I, I think I'm beginning with an ACE in the hole. Okay. I'm beginning with a Petruchio and a Catherine that already love each other dearly. Excellent. There is already a chemistry yeah. there. And for, for the audience to catch that mm-hmm. when Petruchio, not the actor, yeah. but when Petruchio all of a sudden realizes, good heavens, mm-hmm. this is what I have, this is what I've looked for all my life. This is what yeah. I've waited for all my life. And when Catherine looks on him and says, oh my heavens, this would fulfill me. Yeah. This would actually make me complete. Uh, then you have, I think, the makings of a very, very dear uh, eternal romance. Absolutely. So so it's not so much for Petruchio about uh, dominance or, or, or engineering this. No. It's really about he He's in love with this woman, and he thinks this is how uh-huh. he he can garner and, her attention and, and, and affection. And, and he knows how to get her attention, mm-hmm. and he knows how to keep her attention. Absolutely. And he also knows, uh, I, I've got to somehow clarify for you what my needs are, and then he then has to be very conscious and cognizant of what her needs are. Yeah. And once they find that, they become a team. Mm-hmm. When they return to Bianca's wedding at the end of the play, they're a, a, a single person. The playing field is leveled right mm-hmm. there. It is totally leveled. Mm-hmm. And nobody else can comprehend that. No one else can comprehend that. Because and they've as been a watching result, this battle. Uh, and, yeah. and, and as a result, they have this wonderful uh, awareness take mm-hmm. place with, with the father, which is, is one of the, uh, you've given me another daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fabulous. Thank you, Fred. Um, is it? Is it emotional for you? Not not to pull pathos into this, but having had so many, I, I would imagine if I had had such a long relationship with a text I loved so much, um, you know, directing so many talented actors over so many years at the festival, does, does it all come back to you when you're faced with doing it all over again? In an essence, it does. In an essence, I'm saying, gee, how wonderful that I get a chance to to dig deeper and to go further. <clears throat> I have to just share, and I think we've got time to do Absolutely. a quick Absolutely, please story. do. Yes, I was you. directing a Hamlet mm-hmm. years ago, 1981. Mm-hmm. I was directing a Hamlet, and the boy playing Hamlet in high school had played Horatio. Okay. In At junior college, he played Hamlet. Mm-hmm. At the university where he, li- where, where he went, he played Laertes. Okay. And he's coming here to play Hamlet. Now, can you even begin to comprehend the number of rehearsals that young man has gone through of that play? Of that play, how many perspectives? How many perspectives? Yeah. And how many thousands of hours he has actually spent on the text? Uh-huh. And the closing night here in Cedar City in 1981, he burst into my office with his dog-eared script, and he grabbed a page to show me uh-huh. he had just this moment discovered what that line is really saying. Oh, wow. After thousands of hours of hearing, all of a sudden, a, a moment dawned on him. Uh-huh. Doing Shakespeare, Taming the Shrew, anyway, is like an onion. Mm-hmm. Things keep revealing themselves. You peel it, and there's another layer. And you peel it, and there's another layer. And then you peel it, and there's yet another layer. Uh-huh. And each of those layers is different. It's different to an audience. Because when Joe Smith came to see 
the first Taming of the Shrew. Mm -hmm. He was a young man courting a girl. Yeah, yeah. When he came to see Shrew a few years later, he was a father with, a, with an infant. Mm -hmm. When he came a few years later than that, he was a father watching his daughter go off to college. Yep. And then a few years <clears throat> later than that, he's a grandfather as his daughter brings his first grandchild there. Every single time he's seen Shrew, he's changed. The we're, play has we are changed. Half the, text. the audience is half the text. They they bring they bring half the text with them. Absolutely. They bring they bring a whole world of their own into it, and then they're going to relate to it and hear it through uh -huh. those ears. And so, I don't care how many times you see Hamlet, yeah, or you see Macbeth, or you see Shrew. You've changed. You've mm -hmm. grown. You've developed. Yep. And it's going to say new things to you. And Shrew is, of, of all of them, I think Shrew is one of the best because in, in our lifetime, our, our, one of our goals in our lifetime yeah. is to find that partner, is to find that one person that, with whom they can share yeah. and he she can share their life with. And um, that surmounts a, a tragedy of, of strangling or a, mm -hmm. a tragedy of, yeah. of, of deceit or deception. That's the, that's the reality show that everybody lives. It's true. It's and true. Shrew is that reality show. Well, that's awesome. When you, you just now you so succinctly summarized what makes a piece of literature stick around in the canon. Yeah. And that is what you keep coming back to it no matter where you are in your life and it keeps saying new things to you. It, new keeps, it keeps revealing because new you're things. listening with new ears. Exactly. That's incredible. As patrons show up this summer and this fall uh, even if they're not familiar with the narrative of uh, the Beverly <laughs> Taylor Sorensen Center for the Arts, they're going to see it rising out of the oh ground. Oh my goodness, yes. Right now we have large swaths of concrete drying, steel beams soaring through the air on giant cranes. Yes. It's incredible. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what it's been like being at the center of this effort and what it's going to mean for the Shakespeare Festival to have this new facility? Oh, it's going to just open a, a world of uh, of adventure mm -hmm. for an audience member. But my adventure right now is I get to drive around it or walk around the site each day, in the wind or in the rain or and I you don't and care. you do it, you, you and, disappear and for a while every I day. I disappear yep. every day. <laughs> I have to go over and see just what on earth is going on right now, and uh, I rarely I rarely get around the the full the full. Eight acres without tears. Uh -huh. uh, uh, it's uh, it is so huge. It is so beautiful, and it has, and it is so so exactly what my audiences have wanted and needed. That uh, it's uh, it's going to it's uh, it's going to be a, an enormous change. It's it's going to be hard for me. <clears throat> I'm going to I'm going to go into my rehearsals for Taming of the Shrew with a lot of clouds because Absolutely. this wonderful Adams Memorial Shakespeare Theater is mm -hmm. is going to come down. This will be our last year. And the last week, uh, the last week of, of the Adams, those nights are going to, I'm afraid those nights are going to be tear-stained for me. Uh, I think they're going to be tear-stained for a lot of people yeah. in the audience. But at the same time, even out of that, there's such an enthusiastic excitement uh -huh, about what we're going to be able to give an audience. Absolutely. The comforts, the accessibility, the, the, accessibility, yeah. the generousness mm -hmm. of, of these theaters and these offices and these 
shops yeah and and that glorious museum yeah every single every single element of it is is, is so generous it is so uh giving mm-hmm. for an audience the seats are more comfortable they're not upholstered but they're more comfortable because it didn't take all that work to get to them absolutely you know what i mean yeah and and while i'm just as close to the actor as i was before yeah and the actor is just as intimate and personal to me as he was before the actor has been serviced comfortably the actor has decent dressing rooms the actor yeah. has uh, the actor has running for heaven's sakes he has running water backstage yeah. do you realize Absolutely. what that is i would urge anyone that hasn't been on a, a backstage tour specifically oh, of the Adams Theater to do so so you can really get a handle on to what see, the new theater is bringing. To see really what it's going to do to the exactly. actor. And then what it's going to do to our patron, the sweetness that it's going to make to the patron yeah. as well. I just think it's going to be wonderful. That's incredible. And it's not just um, getting to hang out here in the administration every day. It is a testament to your vision, but, but more than that, I think what's happening right now across the street is a testament to the dedication of people yes. that have loved this festival for 10 years, yes. 20 years, 30, 40, 50 years. That, and, none and, of this happens without and, these people. The loyalty and the generosity mm-hmm. of our patrons. When we started this building project, it was $18 million. It quickly went up to $27 million. Yeah. And I thought, wow, <laughs> where will we ever find it? Where will we ever get it? That complex that you're seeing over there has yeah. now reached and raised Thirty-eight and a half million dollars. That's incredible. That's in in, in Cedar City. In Cedar City, twenty-seven thousand people. Without live here. a major yeah. corporation, without uh-huh. a major business, without even a, a metropolitan source of just cash reserve. Exactly. The community, the county, mm-hmm. both putting in amounts to make sure that this happened. Yeah. So that Cedar City could have this expanded mm-hmm. and and hopefully generous. Uh, theater project uh, for for their children and grandchildren. Absolutely, and that's that's the legacy of Beverly Taylor Sorensen. It correct? is is this arts lifelong arts experience from the yeah. time children are hanging out in our daycare facilities to the classes they take with with yeah. Michael Barr and Josh Javros Absolutely. here in education, all the way up to eighty year olds. Exactly, all the way up to to their retirement when yeah. they, when they're still making them the trek down yeah. here every and single still year. Still making the trek. Making Absolutely. it now with great children, grandchildren, and great grandchildren. So yeah, it's 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 an exciting it's it's an exciting thing. And uh, people often ask why Cedar City. Yeah. And I just have to say, for heaven's sakes, why not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, if, if, if it can happen um, here, right? Yeah, Anyone listening anywhere. to this it but, should believe it can happen but anywhere. It can happen anywhere. But you know, the thing is, the thing that makes that so better for our patrons is. They don't have to do their work at the office and then go to the theater. It's true. They have left that behind them, and they've been able to immerse themselves yep. in theater. They've been able to immerse themselves in Shakespeare, and in comedy, and in plays, and in musicals, and uh-huh. in painting, and in art. And they don't have to think, oh, gee, now I've got to get up in the morning and, and mow my lawn. Yep. That's, be, that's, <laughs> that, that, that's down the road. Yes. Now, right now, it's, a, it's an escape, a total wonderfully relaxing escape a complete destination experience as we like to call it it is uh thank you so much fred you've hit on everything so important that i want to touch on in this conversation is there anything you'd like to add about about timmy the shrew or the center no just oh i I would just say please everybody come and uh, uh, come and, and have uh, what I think will be delightful experience of, of, with a lot of laughter, a lot of comedy, 
but I think uh, a lot of heart. Thank you, Fred. Thank you for listening to the Play On podcast. We will continue to bring you exclusive interviews with directors, actors, and designers here at the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Remember that you can subscribe through iTunes or the podcast app on your iPhone, iPad, or iPod so you can get the latest episodes right when they become available. Click the subscribe button on the podcast website or search Play On Podcast with the Utah Shakespeare Festival on your podcast app or in the iTunes store. If you're on Twitter, please send us a tweet at PlayOnUTShakes or email us at podcast at bard.org to let us know what you think or if you have anything you would like us to ask an actor, director, or designer in this upcoming season. 